Lutherans in the UK, Living Grace. This podcast is a joint venture of the Council of Lutheran Churches in Great Britain. In this episode, we celebrate the refuge which many of our member churches have historically been for Lutheran expatriates in the UK, as well as highlight the concern which these communities still carry for displaced persons, especially those impacted by conflict and war. We'll also hear from one of our young adults about his views on renewing faith among youth, and how the Church deals with racial justice. But first, CLC General Secretary Anna Kraus brings us our fun Lutheran fact for this episode. The Council of Lutheran Churches in Great Britain was established in the 1950s to help Lutheran refugee communities who had arrived from countries all over Europe which were torn apart by war and occupation. Today, the council has nine member churches from different countries. But do you know in how many languages these churches offer worship? Churches historically formed of refugees take a particular interest in situations worldwide which create yet more displacement of people specifically the current conflict in Ukraine. On the first Sunday in April, churches and individuals from across the UK and Ireland came together in an act of witness and to pray for those affected by the war. Pastor Mela Sult was present for the event, which was organized by Christian Aid and Churches Together in England. I'm at the moment in front of the Ukrainian embassy in London and uh, people have gathered here, Christians, church leaders from different denominations uh, to pray for Ukraine. And uh, people are wearing uh, hearts which are half blue and half yellow in Ukrainian colors to pray together for the country and for the peace which is for justice. And uh, I try to count the people, there were 60 when I arrived, I think now it's around 100 Maybe it will be 100 and a bit more. Before the prayers began, Malis was joined by Lutheran student chaplain Rebecca Daniel, who shared her hope for an end to conflict in that region. What is your prayer for Ukraine? Oh, my prayer is uh, people that they won't uh, lose hope and, um, and the, uh, the wider community, they will stand in solidarity with the uh, Ukrainian people and uh, continue to pray and uh, continue to involve in act of kindness so that um, that we can bring an end to this crisis and to this war. That's my prayer. We gather together while bombs fall and lives are lost. We gather as families flee in fear, unsure of their future, Communities are cut off and isolated. Cities are shattered into pieces. Children are forced from their homes. Babies are born in bomb shelters. And a country is left reeling and devastated. We too are shocked and confused. Distressed that hate and violence can destroy us so quickly, can destroy so quickly. Heartbroken that once again war has come. We long for the time when weapons of war are beaten into plowshares, when nations no longer lift up sword against nation, 
we cry out to you for peace. Millions of Ukrainians are on the move. Uprooted, displaced, disorientated. Remove unnecessary barriers and bureaucracy. Ensure government acts without fear and with compassion. Would sanctuary be found in every village and town and every city where it is needed until no one is left homeless or wanting. Amen. Amen. Praying for the people of Ukraine were Christian Aid Trustee Giles Fraser, Joanne Grenfell, the Bishop of Stepney, and Bishop Mike Royal of Churches Together in England. After the prayers, participants broke out in spontaneous chanting. Glory to God and glory to Ukraine. What do you think during the prayer? It's important that we pray together and, uh, and we stand in solidarity with uh, the people in Ukraine. And, uh, and this is a great message that we are sending out to them to say that you are not alone there. We are with you. We are standing with you. And uh, that's what uh, it was happening <laughs> um, while they were in my mind while they were praying. Lutherans in the UK, living grace. The consequences of war often require quick responses from those in a position to help. When Polish Lutheran pastor Paulina Chwawiczka Trotman made a visit to her native country to lead the Ecumenical World Day of Prayer and to meet colleagues before the first women's ordination in Poland, she unexpectedly found herself face to face with the fallout from the conflict over the border. I only went for a few days and I just planned to work at the few churches and meet some parishioners and clergy and um, lead this World Day of Prayer. Um, but it was quickly changed, the whole scenario of my time there, uh, as uh, I had to join the clergy and the people um, welcoming and receiving the first wave of the war refugees from Ukraine. I have to say it was... Um, um, a shocking 
and fast um, transit or process or work because um, people in Poland immediately started working on this new situation, a new crisis, because the government opened the borders and the Ukrainians were allowed to, to join. Polish people were very happy to help, remembering the, the crisis we have before Christmas where Polish government did not open the uh, border on the uh, Polish-Belarus side and did not allow the Syrian refugees to get in. And unfortunately, quite many people died or have been giving birth in the forests. Uh, and around Christmas, Poles have been really suffering that they are not able to help those people. So now opening this border on the Ukrainian side between Ukraine and Poland was very, very fast act of help and hard work. Many people opened their houses, different hotels cancelled booking for tourists and started receiving refugees there. Uh, schools, um, hostels, uh, community centres, everything was like changed within within hours, within hours. Uh, the accommodation was prepared for the new refugees. They could sleep over, stay, um, they have been fed and joined the communities and already also the language barrier was tackled so people started providing lessons for free um, online or in person. It was very, very fast. We we didn't uh, sleep. Uh, we didn't uh, have time to do other things. So I didn't have time to see friends or family. Um, it was it was really really uh, interesting and also a privilege to to be able to assist um, different parishes in the south of Poland doing this job. Who were these refugees? Young women, middle aged women, men. Majority, I would say, ninety five percent are women with children. So the families are, of course, broken because of the war situation. The men are forced to stay. This is obligatory for them, so they cannot travel. It was organized this way that some of them, quite many, have been allowed to come together to like to bring the families to Poland or surrounding countries and make sure that they are safe. And then uh, the expectation was that they will go back to Ukraine and, and fight during the war. And, and in all the cases we had there, all the men went back, but also there were some other families who already lived in Poland for, let's say, last five, ten years maybe. And also these men who are living and working in Poland for many years are now back in Ukraine, not being forced, just went uh, voluntarily to fight and support uh, their country, their army and their president. How does your mission continue now in the UK? Because I know that you have been approached now to help also international students who had to leave Ukraine because of the war. That's right. It's a um, very difficult situation. We were not fully aware of that. In Ukraine, there were 76,000 of international students studying from many different countries from around the world, many of them black students from different countries in Africa. So when these students approached the borders also to run away, uh, they were shocked and upset and, and disappointed and afraid because of different um, racist comments or attack. There were situations that um, some students uh, had um, their cars with them and they were traveling around Ukraine in cars and people were, um, white people were taking the cars away from them. They said uh, black people can walk. 
Um, so there were stories like that. So, of course, it was the government decision not to allow at first the students because they thought uh, the black people are not part of Ukraine. They might be refugees or terrorists sent by other countries uh, like from Syria, uh, like I already said before Christmas, they did not allow people from Syria to come in. There are students who are family members of the family here in, in my church in Nottingham from um, Tanzania. And also it happens they belong to the Lutheran Church and studying medicine. They have been studied medicine in Kharkiv. So we've been searching for the way of transport for them. And the Tanzanian family here in Nottingham is involved also in helping them throughout the situation. At the end, I had to find other links in different countries. And one uh, successful one was in Hungary, in the Lutheran Church in Hungary, to arrange a quick transit for a group of uh, medic students from Ukraine, uh, from Kharkiv, to find accommodation in Budapest, in Hungary, but also to be enrolled to the universities so they would be able to continue their studies in English. What kind of discussions are inside your congregations about helping uh, the refugees who are coming from Ukraine? There's quite a lot of people who are willing to uh, take uh, uh, refugees to their homes. But they met obstacles because the governmental part of, of this Work is, is difficult. There are visas applications and uh, other paperwork and the, the reality beyond the, the bureaucracy uh, is uh, behind, I should say. People do care, but government is too slow. Thank you for this conversation, Pastor Paulina. Paulina Havicka-Trotman currently serves Trinity in Leicester and Nottingham, St. Paul's in Corby, Christ the King in London, and St. John's in High Wycombe. Lutherans in the UK, living grace. Where direct personal support may not be possible, financial support can go a long way toward helping those affected by war. The Council of Lutheran Churches have donated £10,000 to help Ukrainian refugees via the Lutheran World Federation. And their deputy chair, Jan-Erik Osterland, explains the context for this initiative. The Lutheran Church is in... Uh, England, they evolved from a couple of interrelated traditions. One is, of course, the seafaring and trading tradition, where the Nordic countries and Germany established churches in England hundreds of years back in time. Another and newer tradition is the refugee churches, many of which were formed after the Second World War. And they have all come together in the Lutheran Council of Great Britain. There are many possibilities to, to support Ukraine in this time of war. And why the Council of Lutheran Churches has decided to help, especially the refugees from Ukraine. Yeah, it's refugees and their suffering has always been close to our hearts. Many of our church members or their parents have personal memories of coming to this country as refugees. And many have been threatened or occupied by Russia or the Soviet Union in the past. And to take care of refugees is in our genes as a church organization. We have supported other refugee groups in the past. We have reached out to the Palestinians in Gaza. But uh, this terrible war in Ukraine stirs up memories from the past. 
in Finland, the history of the winter war with Russia still cast its shadow over the country. And Poland was a theater of war during the whole period from 39 to 45, with invaders from both east and west. And for uh, our Baltic churches, the memories of occupation under the Soviet Union are still rife. And of course, the deliberate killing of a civilian population and the destruction of a fabric, I would say, of a Ukraine civilization emphasizes the cruelty of this war. And that increases the need to reach out and help for, from our side. And again, there are many ways to send the donations to Ukraine. And the Council of Lutheran Churches in Great Britain has decided to help indirectly uh, through LWF or the Lutheran World Federation. Uh, why through LWF? We are a small organization, whereas LWF already have established contacts and knew how to channel their support to the refugees. And we felt that our money would be better used and had more effect if combined with what LWF already is doing. We are always aware that in charitable activities, it's important to reduce administration and waste and make sure that as much as possible of our support actually reach the individuals that we want to help. Thank you for this interview, Jan-Erik Österlund the Vice Chair of the Council of Lutheran Churches in Great Britain. Anna Kraus explores the nature of hope in this episode's Theological Reflection. What is hope? I had to think about this question when I stumbled across a famous passage in Romans 8 recently. In that passage, Paul writes... We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth, right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. The barricade of unpleasant, frightening, horrible news every day makes it very hard to escape this text. It is almost as if I can sense the groans of creation around me, joining in with my own groans. But there is hope, says Paul, not the kind of hope that is a wish or based on uncertainty, like when we say, I hope the weather in the summer will be nice. Paul refers to a kind of hope that can also be called trust. It is a dynamic hope that neither abandons the present nor despairs of the future. We are not awaiting our salvation by chance. We are awaiting salvation because God has promised us to save us. But being part of finite creation, 
we currently are unable to experience the full glory of salvation in our life. Based on God's promise, we instead hope for it. But what is hope for us is already a certainty for God, because God has already saved us through his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the reason why our hope is trust and not an uncertainty or a wish. And this is also the reason why, even when we're in the depth of despair, as Christians, we can always still speak about hope. They say you hate me, they say we're separated, but I know you love me, and I know we'll never be apart. They say I'm damned, they say you judge, but I know you hear. It's your grace, it's your grace that makes me feel like a thousand miles away, and I know that you're less than one instant breath away. Your love makes me wanna fly across the world One time They say you're angry They say you hold a grudge But I know you're gracious And I know you're patient when we stumble They say you're jealous They say you kill to get your glory But I know because I see that you're never insecure It's your grace your grace Hi, my name is Blessing. I would describe my ministry as someone who is very fond of music. Um, loves working with the youths, like children, I guess people my age as well, uh, downwards. And I just, I would say I create sort of, or I bring about the spark in our community. Something I tend to represent is this passion for life, sort of this energy that I believe God brings about in all of us that spark of, you know, creativity, inspiration, um, having that excitement and wonder for life. And I understand that you have a plan to arrange, um, how to say, UK-wide Lutheran youth group or youth ministry. What is the idea behind it and, and what do you think, how, how can it be done? That plan was to sort of bring about the youth in the community of the Lutheran church mainly at first and it was to sort of bring them into the spotlight in a sense to talk about things that sort of they were afraid to talk about uh you know things about let's say the bible or things that go on in their lives at the moment especially those of us that have gone to university people who have even started going through their teenage years i know for me teenage years have were the most awkward years of my life Do you know what I mean? So kind of having someone to talk to, uh, bringing sort of the, the teenagers together, because when I was growing up in a Lutheran background, we weren't as together. 
And it's like when, when we went to university or when I went to university, it's like you never hear from us again, like mainly. And I just want to make sure that there is that community regarding the youth or like us as kids to talk about those things that we tend to not want to express because it's my understanding or I get the feeling that when we, when I, when we all went to church, we were there not because we wanted to be there, but because our parents were there. So we were like forced to actually, you know, interact with other people and other kids that happened to be there as well. But relationships did not really form like properly as they, I, I feel like could have. You know what I mean? So I think this is sort of bringing up that opportunity within the Lutheran church to to really do that and to really sort of switch on that, the capability of creating a whole new possibility of uh, community, great ideas, fresh like inspiration to sort of transform other issues like, you know, the um, racial justice and theological discussions and uh family issues as well and things that I guess um some kind in a, in, a, in a sense like a form of therapy also so yeah but do you think that the young generation also needs church faith uh, Lutheran church mm. how connected young people are or could be with the church I think definitely definitely the youth uh we do need we do need faith we do need you know prayer we do need some time for us to stop and you know pray and you know that we do have or we do desire a sense of spirituality i guess the question is how we how we do it do we do it the way our parents did it do we do it in our own way do we do we follow the bible do we not how do we go about doing it because you know we we all have and For those of you who are my age and around that, who are hearing this, you know, you might be onto something. You know, if you feel like you don't agree in a certain passage in the Bible or you don't agree with how your parents did things like in church or certain tradition in church, it's okay to say, hey, I don't agree with that. But you can still have a sense of, you know, I still love God or I'm still connected to God. I still pray. You're not wrong for disagreeing with how things are dealt with in the church or how how certain beliefs are but it's to open up that sort of space for you as as a person who's young to say you know it's it's okay you're having these questions and it doesn't make you a bad person it, you you can still have faith you can still have spirituality and lutheran church i've just discovered this like it's so much more broad than i thought it was it's You know, of course, I knew it was based on Martin Luther, but it was, it's also based on um, liberty. It's also based in, you know, having that genuine connection with God and what that means. So I think when in the Lutheran community, when we break it down, when we're helped to understand what that means, then I guess a lot of us will actually be like, okay. Like, I, I understand now. It's not all about having a certain tradition and always following it all the time. Because a lot of us, we don't particularly care about the hymns we sing when we, get to, when we get to the church. We don't really care about the calls and responses. We kind of, we like something new, something fresh, like a, a story or some. And those of us who like sort of, let's say, for instance, Christian music, we don't listen to like hymns. We listen to, you know, 
Israel Houghton, Kirk Franklin, Hillsong, you know what I mean? For instance, if we're talking about gospel, and of course we listen to our other artists as well, but like, that's what I mean when it comes to having a youth community, sort of waking up that sense and not just the youth people, but seeing that the people older than us can also feel like they relate because they could probably look at that and say, oh, you know, there was a time in my childhood where I felt, you know, I, I wanted to do something different. So it's, it's sort of a reflection within everyone to say, hey, look, it's okay to be yourself. It's okay to be to tap into that youthful spot again, because that's, the, it's the heart, you know, and that's, and that's where I believe we meet with God. That's where I believe we meet with uh, God and how we communicate with him. And you yourself are a musician. Yeah. What is the message that you want to give with your songs? That um, life is, there's more to life than you think. Come out of those negative thoughts and connect to connect to God, I guess, connect to all that is, connect to who you really are, you know? It's it's time for the world to to raise their spirits again, you know, to to reconnect with life instead of um dis disassociating yourself completely and being in that cold, dark place which isn't it's it's not good for the human soul. Blessing, you are also part of the racial justice core group inside the Lutheran Church in Great Britain. What do you think? How is the church doing uh, with the uh, racial justice issues? First of all, I would like to say that like, I really love the racial justice movement that's going on. And there are quite a few, I'd say there were quite a few issues uh, going on in the church. And mainly the one I saw growing up was the fact that there's always been this uh, tension between, you know, you know, white people and, and like black people and like, you know, this fear of not of saying the wrong thing or having these, you know, should I say that? Should I not say that? Or, or disassociating yourself with another group of people. Sometimes different can be a bit of a, like a threat. You wouldn't know what to say. And it's like, you're, they're not like your people, you know, so it's just you back away from something that's unfamiliar. So, and I didn't, I didn't really like that, which is why I chose to be part of the racial justice community. I really would like to see like a healing between the rift of, you know, you know, white and black or whatever nationality you're from, whatever ethnic background you are from. Like, I would like to see the world and even all churches and all communities come together and be able to, to have their faith and like worship and connect to God who is, who's really in all of us to really overcome these mental or traditional hurdles that we tend to face growing up or wherever part of the world you're from. And tell me about your name. You say you're Blessing. Yeah. Where does this name come from? So, yes, that was the name that my parents gave me and in their language it was the name Lasajo which is the same thing. Yeah, I wanted to ask also, what language is, is that? <laughs> yes, it's Swahili, but mainly from my dad's tribe, Lasajo, or in another mainstream Swahili, it's called Baraka. It basically means it's blessing. I like to use blessing because I speak the... Uh, my first language is English. And 
when someone calls me blessing, it reminds me of my purpose. Or when when they say, well, what's your name? My name's Blessing. It reminds everyone of like my purpose. So that's my name is something that my parents gave to me because they felt like, you know, <laughs> they felt like that, you know, when I was born, like, you know, I was very special, apparently, you know, and they looked at me and they were like, yeah, this is, that's going to be his name. So I think it, it's good because it reminds me of my purpose. And you know what? It's, it's all through my life. I've seen that. It's followed me everywhere. So thanks, mom and dad. Thank you very much. Blessing and many blessings to you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Blessing Kusaluka is 27 years old and a member of the Lutheran Church in Great Britain. Now, before we conclude, Anna reveals the answer to our opening question. Worship in the member churches of the Council of Lutheran Churches in Great Britain is offered in 13 different languages. The languages are Cantonese, Mandarin, Swahili, Icelandic, Norwegian, Swedish, Finnish, Estonian, Latvian, Polish, Danish, German, and of course English. This shows the great variety of Lutherans in the UK. Lutherans in the UK, Living Grace, was produced and presented by Anna Kraus, Wendy Scherer and Melis Sylt. Thank you for listening. And until next time, may God's peace be with you. Lutherans in the UK, Living Grace.